Section 44 of Reviews by Oscar Wilde. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karen Savage. Reviews by Oscar Wilde. Edited by Robert Ross. Section 44. A Cheap Edition of a Great Man. Pall Mall Gazette, April 18, 1887. Formerly we used to canonize our great men. Nowadays we vulgarize them. The vulgarization of Rossetti has been going on for some time past, with really remarkable success, and there seems no probability at present of the process being discontinued. The grass was hardly green upon the quiet grave in Birchington churchyard, when Mr. Hall Kane and Mr. William Sharp rushed into print with their memoirs and recollections. Then came the usual mob of magazine hacks, with their various views and attitudes, and now Mr. Joseph Knight has produced for the edification of the British public a popular biography of the poet of the Blessed Damozel, the painter of Dante's dream. It is only fair to state that Mr. Knight's work is much better than that of his predecessors in the same field. His book is on the whole modestly and simply written. Whatever its other faults may be, it is at least free from affectation of any kind, and it makes no serious pretense at being either exhaustive or definitive. Yet the best we can say of it is that it is just the sort of biography Guildenstern might have written of Hamlet. Nor does its unsatisfactory character come merely from the ludicrous inadequacy of the materials at Mr. Knight's disposal. It is the whole scheme and method of the book that is radically wrong. Rossetti's was a great personality and personalities such as his do not easily survive shilling primers. Sooner or later they have inevitably to come down to the level of their biographers, and in the present instance nothing could be more absolutely commonplace than the picture Mr. Knight gives us of the wonderful seer and singer whose life he has so recklessly essayed to write. No doubt there are many people who will be deeply interested to know that Rossetti was once chased round his garden by an infuriated Zebu he was trying to exhibit to Mr. Whistler, or that he had a great affection for a dog called Dizzy, or that Sloshy was one of his favourite words of contempt, or that Mr. Goss thought him very like Chaucer in appearance, or that he had an absolute disqualification for whist-playing, or that he was very fond of quoting the Bab Ballads, or that he once said that if he could live by writing poetry he would see painting damned. For our part, however, we cannot help expressing our regret that such a shallow and superficial biography as this should ever have been published. It is but a sorry task to rip the twisted ravel from the worn garment of life, and to turn the grout in a drained cup. Better, after all, that we knew a painter only through his vision, and a poet through his song, than that the image of a great man should be marred and made mean for us by the clumsy geniality of good intentions. A true artist, and such Rossetti undoubtedly was, reveals himself so perfectly in his work, that unless a biographer has something more valuable to give us than idle anecdotes and unmeaning tales, his labour is misspent, and his industry misdirected. Bad, however, as is Mr. Knight's treatment of Rossetti's life, his treatment of Rossetti's poetry is infinitely worse. Considering the small size of the volume, and the consequently limited number of extracts, the amount of misquotation is almost incredible, and puts all recent achievements in this sphere of modern literature completely into the shade. The fine line in the first canto of Rose Mary, What glints there like a lance that flees, appears as, What glints there like a glance that flees, which is very painful nonsense. In the description of that graceful and fanciful sonnet, Autumn Idleness, the deer are represented as grazing from hillock eaves, instead of gazing from hillock eaves. 
the opening of Dante's Tenebre, is rendered quite incomprehensible by the substitution of my for thy in the second line. Even such a well-known ballad as Sister Helen is misquoted, and, indeed, from the burden of Nineveh, the blessed damosel, the king's tragedy, and Guido Cavalcanti's lovely ballata, down to the portrait and such sonnets as Love, Sweetness, Farewell to the Glen, and A Match with the Moon, there is not one single poem that does not display some careless error or some stupid misprint. As for Rossetti's elaborate system of punctuation, Mr. Knight pays no attention to it whatsoever. Indeed, he shows quite a rollicking indifference to all the secrets and subtleties of style, and inserts or removes stops in a manner that is absolutely destructive to the lyrical beauty of the verse. The hyphen, also, so constantly employed by Rossetti, in the case of such expressions as hillock eaves, quoted above, hill-fire, birth-hour, and the like, is almost invariably disregarded, and by the brilliant omission of a semicolon, Mr. Knight has succeeded in spoiling one of the best stanzas in the staff and scrip, a poem, by the way, that he speaks of as the staff and the scrip, sick. After this tedious comedy of errors, it seems almost unnecessary to point out that the earliest Italian poet is not called Ciulo dal Cano, sick, or that the Bothi of Topornafuosh, sick, is not the title of Clough's boisterous epic, or that Dante and his cycle, sick, is not the name Rossetti gave to his collection of translations. And why Troy Town should appear in the index as Tory Town is really quite inexplicable, unless it is intended as a compliment to Mr. Hall Kane, who once dedicated, or rather tried to dedicate, to Rossetti a lecture on the relations of poets to politics. We are sorry, too, to find an English dramatic critic misquoting Shakespeare, as we had always been of the opinion that this was a privilege reserved specially for our English actors. We sincerely hope that there will soon be an end to all biographies of this kind. They rob life of much of its dignity and its wonder, add to death itself a new terror, and make one wish that all art were anonymous. Nor could there have been any more unfortunate choice of a subject for popular treatment than that to which we owe the memoir that now lies before us. A pillar of fire to the few who knew him, and of cloud to the many who knew him not, Dante Gabriel Rossetti lived apart from the gossip and tittle-tattle of a shallow age. He never trafficked with the merchants for his soul, nor brought his wares into the market-place for the idle to gape at. Passionate and romantic though he was, yet there was in his nature something of high austerity. He loved seclusion, and hated notoriety, and would have shuddered at the idea that, within a few years after his death, he was to make his appearance in a series of popular biographies, sandwiched between the author of Pickwick and the great lexicographer. One man alone— the friend his verse won for him, did he desire should write his life, and it is to Mr. Theodore Watts that we too must look to give us the real Rossetti. It may be admitted at once that Mr. Watts's subject has, for the moment, been a little spoiled for him. Rude hands have touched it, and unmusical voices have made it sound almost common in our ears. Yet none the less is it for him to tell us of the marvel of this man, whose art he has analysed with such exquisite insight, whose life he knows as no one else can know it, whom he so loyally loved and tended, and by whom he was so loyally beloved in turn. As for the others, the scribblers and nibblers of literature, if they indeed reverence Rossetti's memory, let them pay him the one homage he would most have valued, the gracious homage of silence. Though you can fret me, yet you cannot play upon me, says Hamlet to his false friend, and even so might Rossetti speak to those well-intentioned mediocrities, who would seem to know his stops, and would sound him to the top of his compass. True, they cannot fret him now, 
for he has passed beyond the possibility of pain, yet they cannot play upon him either. It is not for them to pluck out the heart of his mystery. There is, however, one feature of this book that deserves unstinted praise. Mr. Anderson's bibliography will be found of immense use by every student of Rossetti's work and influence. Perhaps Young's very powerful attack on pre-Raphaelitism, as expounded by Mr. Ruskin, Longman's, 1857, might be included, but in all other respects it seems quite complete, and the chronological list of paintings and drawings is really admirable. When this unfortunate Great Writers' series comes to an end, Mr. Anderson's bibliographies should be collected together and published in a separate volume. At present they are in a very second-rate company indeed. Life of Dante Gabriel Rossetti by Joseph Knight Great Writers' Series Walter Scott End of section 44 A cheap edition of a great man